Welcome to Sound Leadership with DJ, the podcast that dives deep into the world of leadership. If you're passionate about learning from the brightest minds in the field, you're in the right place. In each episode, we embark on an inspiring journey alongside successful leaders unraveling the secrets behind their accomplishments. From their early beginnings to their current roles, we explore the unique paths they traveled to reach their present status. We'll dive into their biggest challenges and pivotal lessons and gain invaluable tips for inspiring leaders. Today, we have the privilege of sitting down with Eza Dubey, Eza, better known as Eza, a senior healthcare operator at Rooted Senior Consultant. Eza is a hands-on healthcare operator with over eight years of experience. He's passionate about helping senior care companies create a culture of accountability and excellence and has seen firsthand how this approach leads to better outcomes for both the companies and the residents they serve. Eza accomplished this by setting clear goals with the right level of challenge in coaching while ensuring a culture of accountability across all departments. In this episode, Eza will share his insights on two crucial topics, management versus leadership and coaching versus confrontation. These are essential aspects of leadership that can make a significant difference in any organization. We'll explore his experiences and gain valuable tips for all leaders at all levels. Join us as we sit down with Ezra to capture his experiences and insight. So whether you're an experienced leader looking to sharpen your skills or a newcomer embarking on your leadership journey, Sound Leadership with DJ has something for you. But before we get started, Sound Leadership with DJ wants you to stay connected with us. And you can do so by liking our social media pages. Join us on LinkedIn and YouTube at Sound Leadership with DJ where we share updates and pivotal additional content, such as behind-the-scenes glimpses. And remember, you can always listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. That includes Apple Music, Alexa, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Simply search Sound Leadership with DJ and hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. It's time to buckle up, to be, be prepared to be inspired, motivated and empowered to become your best self let's dive into this world of leadership together welcome as for those of the viewers who don't know i've been chasing this man for for months trying to get him on he's super busy super popular on linkedin so he he finally penciled sound leadership with dj in thank you for joining us man not a problem. And just to add to your introduction, my full name is Eze Dube Eze. Most people call me, some people call me E, some people call me Eze, but I bring almost a decade of experience in this space. Wow. I've served in diff different roles as an administrator, senior executive director, regional VP of ops and RDO, regional director of operations. So we have a good show for you today. Wow. Hey, man, you, you, you. You have all these accolades, man, and that's why you're on this leadership podcast, because you bring uh, over a decade of experience to the leadership sector. So, you know, I always tell people, I do this introduction, but tell us who you really are. Take us through your journey and tell us who you really are. Yeah, at a core level, I'm a servant leader. I want to leave this earth knowing that it's, a, it's better than how I found it. And I grew up with my grandmother in the home, so I always have a respect for the elderly. I saw her utilize the healthcare system. I saw the pros and I saw the cons. And I remember being a child and wanting to make improvements. So I found myself years later at this intersection of healthcare and business. And since then, I've wanted to improve my skills so we can have better improvements within healthcare. Wow, that's powerful. So 
you 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 lived with your grandma and that really drove you into healthcare. What about that drove you into healthcare? And and, and right because you drove to healthcare, but you didn't you didn't stay at that low level of healthcare. You risen to the top to be an executive leader. So what really you know was the turning point in your head to say, hey, you know what, I can be a change agent. Great question. While I was at school at Penn State University, I worked as a home health aide at this place called House of Care, where I was caring for about 10 residents for two years. So I've always had kept the perspective of a direct care professional and how I lead and how I um, look for solutions and how I ultimately select, suggest those recommendations to, to an organization based on the framework of the perspective of a direct care staff member. Wow. Wow. So as a home health aide, you were in patients' homes, you were you were providing that direct patient care. What was that transition like to go from being a home health aide into leadership? As you talked about, you're a nursing home administrator. That's a huge jump from being a home health aide to a nursing home administrator, RDO, VP, and everything else that you've mentioned. You had to learn to really scale up your skills. Some Sometimes you're able to roll up your sleeve and get it done yourself. Uh, most of the times you have to learn how to still get it done, but motivate as you're scaling up those leadership skills on a bigger scale. So how do you listen to staff members? How do you give feedback? How do you give a clear message? I had to really spend the time to get clear on those so I could serve uh, for a greater population. Wow. So why healthcare leadership? It's, 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 a, it's a field where you can see tangible outcomes. Um, you know, our generation, we want, we want to know that the efforts we're giving, that we're able to see impact. And I know in this field, I'm able to um, improve my skills and offer that to an organization. And I'm able to see impacts typically with, within a residence, a lot of residents or family members live pretty quickly. Wow. Wow. No, I think that's amazing because like you say, as a leader, you're able to uh, see an impact in, in, in residents' lives pretty quickly, but you, you can't do it all by yourself. So talk to me about how you empower others and inspire others to really drive that change that you're looking for. Yeah, being a leader is not an easy task, as we all know. And there are three essential comp competencies that all leaders must have in, in these settings. So the three ones that we're going to discuss today are listening to your people, number one, receiving feedback, and then most importantly, giving feedback. Um, I'm going to be drawing from some of the insights from the bestseller book, Thanks for Feedback, and we're going to pre present some relatable examples to you. So whether you're an emerging leader or you're a seasoned professional, um, this these takeaways will be important to improve your work environment. So let's, let's take it away. The, the floor is yours. Tell us about those three strategies that you've used to really propel yourself. Okay. And just to set the stage, we know that we're making decisions in a fast-paced environment, high stress, and sometimes these decisions do are a matter of life and death. So it is crucial for leaders to slow down and listen to their teams. So I want to begin by maybe talking about the barriers that stop us from listening to our people. And the first one would be time constraints. In a lot of our homes, we know that time is a scarce resource. Resource leaders may feel like they don't have enough time to listen to all of the team members' concerns or ideas, or they, that, they, that they have to make swift decisions. The irony of this short-term time saving is that it often leads to long-term inefficiencies. So time constraints is one of the first um, areas that we typically avoid listening to our team members. 
The second one would be a fear of losing control. We sometimes think that when we equate listening to relinquishing control, the act of listening may, 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 may make us feel vulnerable, but it's actually a strength. Um, the fear of uh, the fear of a losing could deter leaders from active listening. So in reality, once again, that this is a strength. So your fear of wanting to lose control, ironically, could be causing you to lose control um, under the umbrella of listening to staff members. That's interesting you say that because um, leaders have to lead and be able to give control when control is needed. And you just hit on hit the nail on the head. Some leaders are afraid to lose control. So how do you handle that? How, how, how have you been able to relinquish control but still be an effective leader? I think it's the realization that it stops at you and your greatest deficit is it will be a deficit of your facility. So you are proud of the efforts that you've made in your field, but you have to ask yourself the question, how can you duplicate your efforts? How can you instill your values within your team members? How can you make sure your team members know your values? Because ultimately, you do want your team members to begin to troubleshoot or uh, problem solve like you through critical situations over time, the more that they learn you. So ultimately, you have to be involved in their decision making. You have to give them room to, to fail forward, but you, you, you want them to start to think like how your, um, your executive team wants them to think and how you want them to think in order to mitigate issues. I think it's interesting you use the term fail forward. What does that mean? Because when I think about it, no team, no leader wants their team to fail. So how are you supporting your team and allowing them to, to fail forward? That's an interesting concept. Failing forward builds resiliency in you. And, you know, sometimes we have this idea of perfection, but yes. progress over perfection. So failing forward is really just the acceptance that failure is part of the process. If you want successes, if you truly love successes, then you do love failures. And you can only love failures by putting yourself out there to, to be told, here's how you can improve. So if you don't love the failure as much as you love the success, you truly don't love the success. So failing forward allows you the space to make mistakes, but yes. to also you know take a day to lick your wounds, but then the next day to really start to put the processes in place to, to make improvements. Wow. Wow. I think that's an interesting concept that nobody had mentioned here on, on sound leadership. So thank you for sharing that with us. You had mentioned a, a possible third strategy that you utilize yeah. to become successful. Talk to us about that third strategy. Yeah. So the third area that I, I watch out for is ego and overconfidence. Um, having a <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. And this <laughs> is a lifelong journey, by the way. This is a lifelong journey. Yes, but I love it. <laughs> a strong ego and overconfidence in one's knowledge knowledge acts as a barrier for effective uh, listening. So the I know best mentality stops any constructive dialogue amongst your team, and it shuts down the opportunity for collective problem solving. Once again, you need to duplicate yourself. You need to make multiple versions of different team members that can mitigate issues. So you have to give them a room. So I know best will not work when you're trying to grow your team. I think that's that's key. And oftentimes you hear leaders say, I know I'm leading, I'm the boss. And that really doesn't get them far, does it? Not at all, not at all. It actually demotivates their team members. I, I, I agree with you. I think it demotivates, it, 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 it takes the power right out, of the, right out of the team. You know, 
uh, something leaders str uh, struggle with is, is kind of exactly that, right? Uh, transitioning power and being able to lead through the team. You talked about being a servant leader. What is a servant leader? Great question. It is um, having the humility of being able to do a lot of the things that you ask for of your team members, or especially in those first 90 days, being able to model the behavior. So there will be times where you may need to hop in the kitchen or you may need to pass trays. Are, are, you, are you humble enough to do those on your busiest days? That's when you, you are depositing goodwill into your team members and when you need to extract it on the days where you're snowed in and your staff are calling out or you're in survey, it all balances out through the years, but through through the year, but you have to be able to deposit that goodwill by modeling the behavior and not being above that. I think that's key, not being above it and, and, and not, you know, I'm too busy, I can't help out. Well, if your team is drowning, you, you may have to step in to prevent them from drowning because if they drown, you have no team. Mm -hmm. If they decide to walk off, you have no team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I think it's very interesting to, to hear you speak from a from a long term care administrator perspective. You know, as a long term care administrator, you're a CEO of a company. You're overseeing 14, 15 departments. You're overseeing, you know, depending on the size of your building, anywhere from 50 to two, 300 employees. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in that role as an administrator? Managing priorities, you know, um, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So having the ability to triage issues that are coming at you left and right, being able to uh, zoom out, put it on a board, and then identify your level of attack. And of course, you're gonna be in moments where you have to act immediately, but an administrator or, or a leader's greatest ability is to be able to zoom out, triage issues, and then apply the resources because we don't have infinite resources. I think that's interesting is, is, is what you talked about is applying resources and to, to some of the folks, right? They know it as strategic planning. You have to be a strategic planner. You have to know the game, know the field, know what you're trying to achieve. And you only know that by connecting with your team members. So tell me some things you do to connect with team members to, to, to learn about them. So you know what kind of game you're playing. Absolutely. I have the saying that I say to myself that relationships comes before respect and before results. So third on my list is results, but that's ultimately what our bosses want. So as you're coming in, whether you're new to the team or new team members are joining you, it is very important that you set clear boundaries on what you want out of them, that you set lines that will lead to respect, but you start to build that relationship with them. So that's you finding out what is their core motivation? What are the dates that are important to them throughout the year? Um, as you know, working for companies, we typically recognize their birthday anniversary, but are those the two most important dates for them? So getting individualized in your care plan for your staff members will allow you to understand where their biggest um, motivation core areas are, and then you're able to, to keep that at the forefront of you because you're keeping them at the forefront of you. So if, say, Mrs. Jones is your DON and she ultimately wants to go into a PhD program in seven years, you put that face forward and you give her opportunities to, to improve her um, to improve her knowledge base to be able to get there. So the six years before that, she's able to be an awesome DON to you. Wow. Wow. So you mean pizza parties aren't the way to go? 
Pizza parties are one percent of the things you should be doing, but I think we over leverage that. It's it's the easy way out, and right now we can't be doing easy. Wow, I, I I love it, and you know, you used the example of Mrs. Jones. You know, if she is wanting to uh, better herself, you empower her to better herself. So many leaders marginalize the staff because they're afraid to lose them. They don't want them to be better than them. So you you sound like you really empower your staff to be their best self. And I think that's a, a trait of transformational and servant leadership in itself is, right? Empowering others and putting their needs before your needs. So I applaud you in, in, in that aspect. You you, you talk about uh, uh, empowering your staff to seek other opportunities. You know, oftentimes organizations fail to promote from within. What is your, your thoughts on training and promoting from within? Yeah, just like with admissions, we start discharge planning once they admit. We need to really start a progression plan or development plan or even an exit plan for our staff members once they come on board. Let's take the receptionist position, for example. That's typically a position where they come in and they may grow to social worker. They may grow to um, another position within a facility, but typically it takes time for leadership to understand the other skills that they have to offer that they may not be giving in their current role. So I think it's 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 about intentionality of the leader to to ask the questions. What other skills do my team do my do my teams have, and what other skills are we missing as a company or as a facility? So we have that on the board. We have our team traits on the board, and we can always be in this period of perpetual planning for different seats on a bus to change. Man, I love that. And you know what? You went down to the receptionist. That's often a position that's overlooked, just such as like a janitor or something. Mm-hmm. And I love the respect that you have to, to 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 essentially start discharge planning on the staff. No one has ever used that kind of concept with me. I think it, it, it's 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 mind blowing. But I think it leads to the kind of leader you are. And in 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 an intro, we said we was going to talk about leadership versus management and knowing the difference. So let's let's dive into that. Talk to us about leadership versus management. I think management is more of going with the flow, going with the motions. You're just there. Um, you're coming in. You may you may not be making a plus one improvement to your company or your building. You're just there. You're getting them through. You're getting them through survey. You're getting them through compliance. But are you trending up? And I think that's where leadership take it, leadership then changes because in leadership you it's a civic duty to do the hard things. It's a civic duty to ask yourself, how can you improve? It's a civic duty to uh, ask your team, how can you show up better as a leader? And if you aren't doing these things as a leader, you see it in your performance. So I think leadership, um, you must be much more intentional and you must be much more vulnerable to continue to grow as a leader versus a manager. And, you know, I talked on an episode with uh, uh, Kelsey Hastings about this. And we talked about leadership, management, supervisor, director, and the various different levels that um, that organizations have. Because I think, to your point, you know, people will be a supervisor and think they're a manager. People are managers and think they're the director. People are the director and, and, and think they're the, the CEO, right? So as you, as you talked about, you know, managers on this level, uh, leaders on this level. Now, I, I like to describe that everybody has some level of leadership within them. Would you, would you, I don't know if you I, believe that. Uh, if, you're, if you're a mom running a home, you got some leadership within you, right? If you're a teacher in the classroom, you got some leadership within you. But is that leadership purposeful? 
Is that leadership successful? Because anybody can lead and delegate and tell people what to do, but that's not what leadership is, correct? Correct. And you can be the assessor on impactful leadership. So who are you getting feedback from in your facility or in your company that your leadership is actually effective? If you're the only assessor of your leadership, there's some there's some vacancies, there's some gaps, there's some blind spots, and we all have it as part of the human process. So if you're not actively asking yourself or your DON or your boss or other people in your teams, what are my blind spots? If you're not aware of your blind spots and then backfilling it, you have some leakage. Wow. I think that's powerful. You know, a couple of years ago, I did a 360 assessment when I was when I was living in Michigan and I sent it out to over 100 people and people was like, well, how would you do that? And I sent it out to people who did me wrong. I possibly did them wrong. You know, I sent it to first grade, third grade teacher. I sent it to over 100 people. And it was interesting to get true feedback because it was anonymous. So they they, they laid it on the table. They they didn't care about hurting my feelings. For the mm -hmm. most part, 90, 94% of it, it was great. And then the other the other 6% uh, is what I was looking for. I wanted people to tell me the truth, what they really thought, how they really viewed me. And I think sometimes leaders, we don't surround ourselves with people who are going to tell us the truth. But I, I think it's important for us to surround ourselves with people who's going to tell us the truth. And I think it's important for us to set the standard, you know, coming in saying, hey, director of nursing or hey, other high ranking manager on my team. I need you to tell me when I'm not having a good day. I need you to tell me when I, I need it. It's looking like I need to take a day off. And if you don't have the transparency with your team because you're human, you're not going to always show your best. You, you need to build, build, build those safeguards and safe landing for yourself by giving yourself that gracious accountability, too. You know, I love that. But how do you empower your staff to do that and not be afraid of being termed or being run up? How, how do I cut you and say, yeah, so you know what? Today you're not doing it. You're not cutting it for me. How do I do that and not get in trouble? And and that's the that's the heavy lifting of leadership because if you're not already setting the soil for that to grow, if you're not asking those hard questions, if you're not making it a, a safe area for your team to give feedback in morning meeting and not to get yelled at by you or another manager, they will stop giving you feedback and it will sit in their minds and it will pester and it will lead to them submitting uh, a change in status or just interviewing at other companies. So if you're not, if you're not asking these questions or if you're not uh, making the soil a safe place for them to critically give you feedback, they're not going to give you the feedback that you need to hear. And I think what you're talking about a little bit is us wanting to come in and lead and be friends with our team members rather than rather than leading them. And a lot of times when we seek to be friends with them, we don't give them the feedback in a timely manner in a way that they need it. Just like we do with our personal friends, we may give them more grace because they're our friend. But that's that can't be um, the, the relationship we seek in the workplace. It has if you care for your staff, you care to give them the right feedback that's going to make them the better person. In, in, in lieu of your uncomfortability around giving the feedback. I think that's that's important what you just said is, you know, coming in and realizing that this is work. We have a job to do. We may be friends outside of here, right? Um, but this is work we have a job to do. And, and please respect the job I have to do as I respect the job that you have to do. I think that 
it can be a challenge for leaders to hire their friends and hire their families because, you know, they're afraid of showing favoritism or they do show favoritism. So as a leader, how do you level a playing field and treat everybody with with the same level of accountability? How do you ensure that you do that? I think it's, it's, it's coming in, being clear with your expectations and saying, hey, hey, team, here are my boundaries. I'd like to be contacted between these hours and these hours. Of course, if it's an emergency, do this at any time. Uh, it's about addressing the team overall. Hey, team, we learned that over the last two weeks, we've had uh, 10 issues with grievances in relations to resident lights. I see we see it going on. We're going to address this, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, team, we've gotten concerns that many of you are not picking up your 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 uh, call, your phone in your offices. Your voicemails are full. And this week, we'll be doing audits on your voicemails. Get back to me Friday. Let me know what obstacles you're running into. So I think it's about just being not being fearful of bringing these opportunities to your team, setting general guidelines for them, and then holding them accountable to it. And when you need to, of course, let them know there will be consequences to it. But I think it's about presenting it to the light and not thinking it's going to go away. You know, I, I think it's interesting that you say that because in our, in our in our introduction, we talked about coaching versus confronting. And I think there's a time for both. <laughs> I think there's a time for both. But talk to us about coaching versus confronting. Um, coaching is you is it probably should happen during that one on one and your one on one should be weekly or biweekly, but it needs to be on a certain frequency. A lot of times you'll try to talk to staff members in the hallway. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. No one's really going to tell you how they're really doing. So I, I think the first thing is you need to have some form of frequency with your one-on-ones and your coaching should be a part of that. What went well this week? What projects do you need additional assistance on? What projects do you, do you feel like I'm, I'm overly involved in? I think confronting comes from um, how you receive feedback, whether it's from a family member, an anonymous grievance, from your supervisor, how you decide to present that to your team member. And you need to know who they are specifically. So if it's a critical item, you may decide to, if it's not time sensitive, you may decide to have the conversation towards the end of the day that you heard about it. You may confront them with that after you take care of a, a, a important quality meeting. But the confrontation, I, I just wanna say, it's not gonna go away. It's gonna build up into a bigger item if you don't confront it. So con confrontation is healthy. It's actually how you improve your relationships. If you never confront your staff members, they're losing respect for you over time because you've already set the boundaries of what you will and will not do. And when you don't follow up, now they don't trust what you say. I think it's interesting because um, this is the level of leadership that I love. This is the grit. Um, and, and I got that term from Dr. A. If you haven't seen that episode, check it out. Uh, this is the gritty piece of it, right? I think that leaders don't get into leadership because they're afraid of confrontation. They're afraid of, you know, telling somebody that they're not doing what they need to do. They're afraid of holding people accountable. How should leaders... Um, uh, work to get over that fear because I think it's an important part of leadership. Confrontation is there. You, if, you, if you're a leader, you will have to hire and, and, and terminate. So how do we get over that fear of confrontation? You're correct. There's just a, you know, just to call it out, there's just a straight avoidance of unpleasant conversations. And the only way to get around that is to know, is to call it out on yourself, to know your own personal cycles outside of work and how it shows itself within work. And you just need to not avoid it. 
sometimes um, there's a saying that says you sometimes suffer more in your mind than you do in reality. And I think a lot of leaders think how the situation will play out if they confront the person will be a lot worse than what it really is. So I think it's just having confidence that you'll get through any situation, that you do have the communication skills to say your piece, say how, uh, say the effect and the impact on the team and where you where you can go from there. I think it's more about having the confidence and lowering the fear that it's going to be a worst case scenario situation, which nine times out of 10, it is not. Wow. You know, I think it's amazing that you that, that, that we're talking about this in, in, in such an open platform because so many leaders don't want to talk about that. But I think creating a culture of, of, of uh, and I don't want to say creating a culture, but uh, handling confrontation with grace creates a culture of accountability. And you mentioned it earlier. If, if you're not holding people accountable, they won't respect you. And in fact, you probably won't be there long because you're going to, in your world, have a poor survey outcome. You know, you, you probably have high turnover and things like that. So how do you hold people accountable, but also, you know, still moving the organization forward? You know, a lot of leaders are afraid to hold people accountable because, they say, oh, they're going to quit. So I kind of let them just do them. How do you successfully hold people accountable and still move the organization's mission forward? Great question. There's uh, different ways you can do it, but you can utilize a mixture of self-assessments, having your team members rate, hey, how did the last month go in your department? What did you notice that you can improve upon? What did you, what, what trends did you see in your department? And then um, confer that with the trends that you saw. And then maybe to collectively, you could talk about here are the gaps, here's what you made, here's what you saw that I didn't see, and here's what I saw that you didn't see. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, that's what I would say for that. Um, okay. Just just to get us going. Yeah, just to get us going. Okay. So when we talk about, you know, leadership, leadership is, 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 is not all rosy. Sometimes the confrontation goes south. Uh, so can you talk to us about a time that you, you know, uh, made a leadership decision that, that didn't go over well with the staff. You know, maybe you made a change to your missions process. Maybe you made a change to your hiring process. It can be any process, but you made that executive decision and you had to walk it back. So talk to us about a time you, you just didn't get it right. Yeah, there was in my first um, job, there was a social worker that coming into the job, I heard certain things from very vocal family members you know, that the social worker, you just need to watch their performance. And of course I came in with a clean slate because I wanted to make my objective feedback. But this was definitely a situation where I took too long to make a decision. A year and a half later, um, on a family side of things, not getting any good feedback from family members, but internally, the performance was there. Internally, they have good relationships with staff members, but the, the external mission that we were ultimately seeking there was a gap and there was a mismanagement of maybe me holding that person accountable or being in the weeds enough to know where to hold that person accountable in their specific role. It led to ultimately, um, you know, there being some form of separation related to just the environment and making sure that uh, we're, we're making it a positive work environment, not hostile, but the, it, it, it drained the team. There were other team members that resigned after that that didn't understand the complexity, complexity of the situation that I could not share. And it did affect the team. And I believe if I would have addressed this earlier, use, use more confrontation and more, and more feedback, I believe 
the exposure and the blowout wouldn't have been as uh, severe and we would have been able to mitigate some of our culture and keep more of our staff members uh, satisfied. You know, it's interesting that that that, that you are self-reflecting on that because that's that's one of the key skills of leadership, right? Knowing when you could have handled the situation better. And as we talked about all throughout this podcast, sometimes people are afraid to dive into leadership because they, they're afraid of the unknown. And when you think about leadership, it's definitely unknown. It's a lot of forecasting, a lot of strategic decision making. And I just applaud any leader that's here who's trying to make the the, the field of leadership better for the next person. As you mentioned earlier, your goal is to make it better than make the world better than than, than how you came into it. And I, and I think that's uh, that's uh, an incredible um, skill and trait that you have. So kudos to you. When we talk about leadership, there's different facets of leadership. And as a leader, I personally have a coach. I personally have a mentor. I personally have somebody to hold me accountable. I don't know about you, but what do you do to sharpen your skills to say, you know, current and, and, and leadership practices? How do you hold yourself accountable and how do you grow and learn? I have, I have many mentors and I have many mentors for different reasons. I am humble enough to know that I don't know. The more I learn, I feel like the less I know sometimes. And I have a career coach and I also have a life coach. And then I have different peers that I just vent to and I ask them how their day's going and I check on them across the nation. How is it going in Hawaii? How is it going in New Mexico? How is it going in California? What are you facing? So I think just continuously putting myself in spaces to listen to the plights of other leaders have has given me the grace to say, okay, I'm not the only one in the world experiencing this, but it's also given me the, the time to learn about other um, obstacles friends and peers are facing and other organizations are facing but more importantly, to listen to their solutions and how they acted and then being able to identify what, what parts of that I pull into my own leadership. So staying active in the leadership space and not bottling, bottling it in and staying active in your network is important to stay balanced in your leadership approach because you're always assessing it for improvements just like we do with Quapi. Hey man, I, you hit the nail on the head. I I, I love Quapi, but that's <laughs> I love Quapi. I love PDSA. So you talk about you know um, having these these people that you connect with and having various people on your team that really you can bounce ideas off of. I think that's a key trait of, of a leader. And, and for any aspiring leader coming into the field, I I would encourage them to seek guidance from people who have experience, people who have done it. But as we draw this episode to a close, can you tell us or, or maybe speak to the viewers who are, are contemplating getting into leadership, but they're scared because they're afraid of confrontation. They're afraid of not knowing who to seek the answer from. They're afraid of failure. What can you share with them? Sure, I can share with them that it is a normal human experience to be afraid. And guess what? I'm gonna give you a secret. Everybody's afraid. Some people are just better at um, masking and some people have just worked on it. So start the work. There are people out there that wanna help you and it's ultimately gonna grow you. We need, based on where our industry is going and based on the obstacles ahead of us, we need leaders of tomorrow. We need you to fill this gap so you can run uh, efficient teams in the future. Your grandparents need you, your uncles need you, your aunts need you, we need you. You need yourself because you're gonna be utilizing this system too. So it's imperative that you, that you just accept the calling. Sometimes you get a call, missed call, missed call, missed call is a spam. 
I think it's, some, it's sometimes important to accept the calling of leadership and know that this is the life that you that you are called to be and know that because that is a life you're called to be in, there's a higher standard for you. Wow. Thank you for that excellent outro. I think thank you for just sharing your knowledge with us. And thank you for taking time out of your day to, to chat with us here on Sound Leadership with DJ. I think that you brought a fresh perspective and you used a word that no one has used on this episode. And I've recorded plenty of episodes. It's confrontation. You didn't run from it. You tackled it head on. And sometimes that's what we need to do as leaders. We need to tackle it head on. So I, I thank you, my brother. So, Issa, thank you for, for, for joining us. Really, I appreciate it. How can the viewers get in contact with you? If they want to reach out to you, they want to learn more about you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, the best place to contact me would be via LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, and uh, my email address is on my, uh, my my profile, so you can send me an email if that's how you prefer to communicate. But just reach out, whether it's through DJ or my LinkedIn, and we'll, I'll make sure I get back to you within a few days. Man, you are the GOAT. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And, and, and thank you for joining us here on Sound Leadership with DJ. Uh, we hope that you gain valuable insights from our interview with Issa. We encourage you to like and follow our social media pages for more great content. You can find us on YouTube and LinkedIn at Sound Leadership with DJ. Also, don't forget to tune into our to this podcast and other podcasts on your favorite platforms, including Apple Music, Alexa, iHeart, and so much more. Simply search for Sound Leadership with DJ and hit that subscribe button and stay up to date on the latest episode. I want you to remember this. Leadership is a journey, not a destination. Keep striving to learn and grow and never give up on your goals. From all of us here at Sound Leadership with DJ, we wish you the best on your leadership journey. We look forward to having you join us soon for more insightful discussions on Sound Leadership with DJ.